everybody. Good afternoon, um, or depending on where you are, maybe good morning or good evening, um, or maybe you are out stargazing and it's nighttime. My name is Athena Brunsberger. I am the host of Space Talk, and I'm so excited um, to be here again for so third day in a row. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and share this via social media, try and get uh, some more listeners to join because this episode, I want to chat with you about all the different options that you have to get to space one day. If maybe you have aspirations or dreams to one day travel to maybe another planet, maybe the moon, or maybe just low earth orbit, there are more and more opportunities arising almost every day. And so I really want to try and go over um, basically all those different options that you have uh, to get to the cosmos. So I'm going to go ahead and just sh share this real quick on the gram. And okay. Awesome. So let me get that up right now. By the way, if maybe uh, you are on other social media, I have the same exact username on all different accounts, which is Astro Athens. Uh, currently, actually, completely remodeling my website as we speak. Um, I had it much more uh, styled to be sort of more like a blog and more like a media source, but I'm, I'm quickly changing that to make it just slightly different. So, all right. So I see that Mario is here. Hello. Awesome. Awesome. Good to see you here. Um, so I wanted to go into a few different things here about the different space companies that are um, basically offering seats to go to space, uh, what that means, and also where they're going, because not every space company is going to the same destination. So for instance, uh, you have Virgin Galactic, if anyone has ever been to Spaceport America, um, I highly recommend doing a trip out there if you haven't already. Uh, it's just outside Albuquerque, New Mexico. When I say just outside, I mean it's about an hour drive outside of um, Albuquerque. And I got the chance to go there once, which was really exciting. It was for the movie Ad Astra, which you might have seen with Brad Pitt. And um, they had the Mars rover, the, the, sorry, it was a lunar rover that they had there. Um, the one they used for the film, super cool. And while I was there, I got to see Virgin Galactic Spaceship Two. And so I uh, wanted to go over sort of what's going on at Spaceport America. Virgin Galactic launches what I like to call it's like a double airplane that has the spaceship in between the two wings where they fuse. And when it lifts off, it's probably about, I'd say... It's, it's a couple hour journey. And then once they reach a high enough altitude, they release Spaceship Two, which is the current model of the spaceship for Virgin Galactic. And then you're essentially feeling microgravity or you'll probably recognize it as zero gravity, you'll feel like, but you do still have a little bit of a gravitational effect on you because you're not fully uh, separated from Earth's gravitational field or gravitational bound. So eventually this is kind of the whole point of it is you come back down to earth. So the, the whole journey and the whole trip lasts for, I think it's approximately 90 seconds um, that you are in space. And then eventually you do come back down, you land. It's a little bit more structured, like as if you're taking off in an airplane and landing as such um, to make maybe make it a little bit more comfortable for those who want to 
start to venture into space tourism, but maybe don't want to go on the standard route of getting on a rocket and then getting up into space within like two seconds, which is crazy, which would then bring me actually to Blue Origin. So Blue Origin is the secondary option, I would say, um, which actually let's 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 give a, a price stamp, by the way, on each of these. So starting with Virgin Galactic, that the most recent estimate that I saw for a ticket is about two hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars for one person to go on um, Spaceship Two. Now, going into Blue Origin, so Jeff Bezos company. Um, and a little bit of background, actually, I realized I didn't really give that for Virgin Galactic. Uh, Richard Branson, you might know his name from um, what used to be. So let me see the whole like Virgin Holdings. So there's uh, Virgin Records and uh, originally Virgin Airlines, which got bought out by Alaskan Airlines so that they could obviously put all of their funding and their money towards the space flight um, option. So. That is the little bit of background of Virgin Galactic. But now you have Blue Origin. And Blue Origin is something where it is more standard of a route. You are going up into space on a rocket. Something a little bit specific is it actually passes what's known as the Carmen line. And there's quite a lot of debate around um, kind of like, you know, are you actually going to space if you fly Virgin Galactic? Because it doesn't technically pass the Carmen line. And although, yes, that, that is true, like there is a reason that um, the Carmen line was established, and that is so that there can be a clear distinction between where satellites are able to orbit around Earth, where um, you start to enter into space, where you actually are escaping the uh, gravitational bound of the planet Earth. So there's a lot of reasons that that this line does exist and so technically um virgin galactic doesn't quite cross this line um let me get the actual height of just how high it is so it's just about 100 kilometers um above the surface of earth and so that in in, in respect is achieved by the blue origin launch so now blue origin if you want to go on that launch you'll be up into space <laughs> within a minute uh, and you immediately start to feel the effects. Maybe you haven't seen a launch. Maybe you have. I feel like l- looking at my listeners right now, I think I, I know you all. You both have probably seen a launch at, at least once or twice. Um, and the Blue Origin launches are just so, so phenomenal. Um, and so the last one, which was quite famous, was when William Shatner um, from Star Trek went up uh, into space. I think he was the original, was he the original series or the next, not the next generation? Cause I've been binge watching the next generation. Um, and I'll do, was he from Voyager? Shatner. Let's see. All right. If anyone knows, maybe you can join the, the join the call. Let's see. Let's see. He is from the star. Okay. We've got, Oh, awesome. Let's see. Lauren, do you know which series of Star Trek William Shatner is from? And on the bottom right is the unmute button, by the way. So oh, there we go. Awesome. Uh, he is the original series. Captain Kirk. He is the original series. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yes, I'm showing my age there for you. <laughs> oh, man, I, that, that is so amazing. I'm, I'm so happy, too, that, that you joined this call and that um, I could Google couldn't be quick enough. And so you were here and you instantly knew the answer. Um, another another bonus of having this feature on, on call in. 
Um, so, so tell me a little bit about, about you. Um, are you a, a big stargazer? Do you love space? What brings you to space talk? I have been a, a, a space fan since uh, the early days. Um, I'm also an author, a fiction author, uh, uh, science fiction humor, and also horror. Uh, and so, wow. I, I mean, I, I'm a fan of the original Star Treks, the Star Wars. The I, I saw Star Wars in the theaters when the original originally came out seven times. So, I mean, that's wow oh that's so, that must have been such an exciting time is there a character you dressed up as or anything or you were really into dressing up i once uh one halloween i went as r2d2 uh my family oh, uh awesome. we, we we took a trash can and constructed it and painted it and put <laughs> lights in it the whole works and uh, uh it was great fun <laughs> oh that's so so cool I would, I would have loved to see that um I don't know if you've ever been to Yuri's Night or where you're located, but um, if you ever venture out to California, mm-hmm. I know there's a huge Yuri's Night that goes on to celebrate the first human who ever went to space, Yuri Gagarin. It's on April 12th. And um, they had all these, yep. um, just they, they were robotic controls, so they, they weren't any people dressed up, but they were all R2-D2s just going all around the convention, which was so cool. So Excellent. Next time, if you ever go out there for Yuri's Night, you, you've got to revamp that costume if you can and join all the other r2d2s <laughs> i am a little too old to crunch myself into a trash can at this point. <laughs> uh, I, I totally i totally get that i don't think anyone would want to even crunch into a trash can i give you credit for doing it once at least oh <laughs> uh, that's Very awesome cool. well thank you for joining joining the call um do you do you want to share anything else before we continue uh, no, no, that's, I, I love, uh, listening to you and, uh, yeah, I've seen you on, on TV and, uh, follow you on, uh, Instagram and that's where I, uh, connected with you here. And I really enjoy, uh, listening to somebody oh, who knows that's... what they're talking about, especially when it comes to space. Wow. Oh, that's, that's so good to hear. Oh man. That, that is awesome. Thank you, Lauren. Um, you're that, welcome. That's so cool. Well, glad you're here. Um, thank you again for, for, for joining the call. Feel free to come back anytime right. you'd like. I'll be here. Uh- <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. Uh, that's, that's so cool. I, I love um, connecting with, that's why I love so much the app. I'm able to connect with all you guys on here. Um, and a lot of times on Instagram it's, or other social media, it's a one-way street most of the time. The only other way I can connect with anybody is typically through comments, um, occasionally through DMs. But with this, it's a, it's a quick like, hello, you know, uh, and, and just connection. And I, I really love that. Um, so as far as going now into I guess other other options to try and get to space. So I was I was titling this show only about ten minutes before I started, and I just was thinking, man, I really want to jump on here for something, but you know, I'm still in the beginning stages of this podcast, so I want to sort of keep it still pretty fundamental to space exploration rather than getting into anything too deep dive yet. Um, and so I thought about, yeah, like it just personally speaking, I want to get to space one day, so. I have my own plans of how to do that. And I'm like, I bet there's other people who, who maybe are making similar plans. Um, and so I wanted to share that. And if, um, yeah, if anyone at any time is, is also feeling the same way about wanting to get to space and you have um, like a suggestion or maybe an application you've applied to, uh, feel free to join the call. And I'd love to hear uh, what you've done. Um, you guys have might've seen quite a lot of applications going out recently. Um, so when, NASA first announced their Artemis program quite a few years ago. 
they opened up their astronaut applications for that. Now, typically the more standard route is, well, what NASA did, this is what was released. So um, government fund agency, uh, typically when you're obviously wanting to be trained to be a pilot for one of these um, rockets and the capsule, or maybe the space station, depending on kind of what's being well, launched at the time or being uh, docked to the International Space Station, you'd be docked to. Um, and then, of course, during the space shuttle program, you're having to fly basically a giant like school bus of an airplane. I mean, this thing was huge. Um, I never got to catch a space shuttle launch, but I bet they were incredible. Um, and so, of course, like you'll have to need a lot of a lot of training, um, it, mainly in uh, flying like having having your pilot's license, um, but not just that, not just having a commercial license, but training, say, with the Air Force, uh, which is really important, really um, uh, pretty, I would say, like fundamental step in for getting into um, eventually becoming, say, a, a pilot of one of these missions. So that's very, very valuable. Um, but then at the same time, I know that the European Space Agency started launching a bunch of their applications as well uh, for some of their upcoming space programs where they want to start having crewed launches. Um, I don't believe it'll be through um, the Ariane rocket, the most recent one, Ariane 6, but I do believe that in the future that is a goal of ESA or European Space Agency. Um, so I know that they've got a few missions going on and also uh, mock missions. So on Earth, uh, but we'll get into that towards the end. Um, so this is more so the focus of, of getting to space, which actually those other steps of doing a mock mission is a great idea to, or a great way to build up your training and psychological resistance and, and also physical uh, tolerance to these types of conditions you might experience in space. Um, but uh, where, where, where was I leaving off on? It was about, oh yes, at the same time. So Artemis was, was announced. Um, astronaut applications went out for NASA. European Space Agency started submit, like releasing application options for people. Then you have all the all of the private sector. Um, so as I mentioned, Virgin Galactic and Blue Origin, private sector, privately funded. So um, not going through the government. I know they have a few collaborations. I think for maybe potential future missions, but for the most part, um, raising money through investors, getting the funding up for the company to build what's needed, the materials, having the employees, and then eventually having customers, uh, which is why the tickets cost so much. So Blue Origin is closer to, a, I believe it's in the single digit millions. Um, I don't think it's in the tens of millions, but uh, I will double check that and get back on it on a future episode. But I really want to get into SpaceX. Um, so SpaceX is we all know, I would say, a huge pioneer of space exploration. I mean, I think that they really, truly reignited the excitement of space travel for everyone on the planet. I mean, absolutely everybody. If it wasn't for all of the SpaceX Falcon 9 launches, especially those gorgeous videos and images you might have seen when stage separation happens, um, which is just so cool. It's It's basically when it reaches a certain height. Don't exactly know where the height is, but it reaches a certain height. And after the first stage is burned through all its fuel to launch the, 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 all the payload, whatever's on top, whether it's people or whether it's cargo, once it's burned through all its fuel, it separates. And when it goes to separate, it like reignites to land on Earth. It creates this beautiful 
just bubble looking thing in the sky. Um, it's, it's so, so astonishing. And so that brought a lot of attention, a lot of press. And, um, I think there's like some naysayers or people who are like, Oh, it's kind of stupid or that's dumb. They're just, you know, throwing away their money. And it's like, look at what that did for society. Look at what it did for, for humanity. I mean, it not only made so many people interested, but you had, you know, not just, just, just kids and adults, but you had also people who were like, Oh my gosh, like, is this aliens? And then a beautiful educational moment happened where they were like, they learned, Oh wait, that's people that, that did that. Like the humans created something that can create such a gorgeous thing in the sky. Um, and, and it's, it's not some alien species, you know, and, and I think that that's a really good wake up call for a lot of people. Um, especially as I mentioned, the, the naysayers, um, who, who might think that maybe we've never been to space or who might think that the earth is not curved. Um, and so these launches and these missions popularizing space and science and exploration, I think is ultimately vital to, to humanity. Um, so that was, that was, that was enough of a, <laughs> a moment of, a, I feel like I just like preached to this in the corner of my closet right now, inside a closet um, with all this sound foam. Um, but, but the point is with SpaceX, something really cool that I think they're doing right now is a huge step forward from where people is they're starting to do sponsored missions. Like the, so inspiration for um, the St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Um, although I think there were two paying customers on that flight. Um, the other two, which was, by the way, one of them was Dr. Cyan Proctor, which I have to get her on Space Talk sometime. Um, she, her and I first connected during COVID on social media um, because she wanted me to be a guest on one of her shows on Facebook, which was really, really cool. And um, it, she started doing uh, uh, Space Fashion Friday. And so we basically just all of like the you know, social media connections started to happen. And so when she got selected for this mission, I was so ecstatic and so excited for her. Um, and she's doing so many incredible things now. And then, um, and then Haley, uh, she also, she was, she, she attended St. Jude's Children's Hospital as, as a youngster, as a child. Um, she, she was fighting cancer. She's a cancer survivor and, um, she's devoted her whole life to working in the hospital with kids, encouraging them that they, that they're going to get better. And just such a, um, yeah, such a, a, a podium of, of hope for her. And, and so I think actually that was, she was the, the seat that was labeled hope. So they, for the inspiration for mission, each seat. So for each four passengers represented a different thing. And, um, anyway, so it, it just ended up being such an incredible mission, but I don't think that's, you know, a one-off mission there. I think there's going to be so many more like that. We're already seeing more arising. Um, like I, I got an email for um, like a reality show about, so you want to go to space? Um, I, I didn't apply only because I, um, I, I don't know. I'm a little hesitant about reality shows, to be honest. Um, but I'm sure it's going to be cool. And I'm sure I know that I know people who've applied. Um, but the point is, uh, what's cool that we see is that there are so many more options now for people to get a chance to go to space and then looking at what space for humanity is doing. Um, which by the way, Dylan Taylor, the founder of space for humanity and CEO, he's going to space on December 9th, um, on blue origin, which is so, so exciting. Um, and his guys nonprofit partnered up with Virgin Galactic to give away a free ticket um, to someone who they just, they just announced online. And so there's all these things now that, um, 
people are, are able to collaborate on so that more people can go to space who don't have a few million dollars hanging around to buy a ticket, um, which I think is really, really cool. Um, that made me think of some, some, something else. There was another um, mission. I, I just had the thought, but I, but I lost it. It'll come back to me. Um, but there's just so many, so many incredible missions I think that are happening that um, are opening the doors for, for more people to potentially go to space. Um, so um, on that note, uh, I wish I could remember what it was. I, I just had the thought uh, and it just, it just slipped my mind, but um, oh yeah. Okay. I remember it was the Dear Moon project. Um, so I don't know if um, anyone here has applied for Dear Moon. Um, I did, which was really cool. Um, made it up into the, until the, the video phase uh, where you create a video and you explain basically why you want to go to space. And what's really cool about it is um, Yusaku Maizawa uh, is funding the whole mission. So you have this billionaire who is like, hey, I want to be able to pay for eight people's tickets. But I don't just want anybody. I don't want anyone who who's like training to do this. I want like, I want artists. I want them to experience this. I want them to go and and just be there as a tourist, as an observer. Um, and uh, yeah, as, as someone who can just really go and to, to enjoy it. So I, I truly, maybe it's just like an ultimately optimistic point of view that I might have. Um, but I don't see that as a bad thing. But I do see the future of space exploration being quite similar to um, what it's like to, to go on a holiday or a vacation um, today. I think that in, in the future, when it starts to become so much larger and there's more companies that are competing, it's going to ultimately start to in, uh, become, uh, they'll start to have to come up with innovative ways to lower the price. And eventually the price should start to come down where more people can actually just go to space and, and, and go to enjoy it and have fun. Um, not that you know any trained astronaut doesn't go and enjoy it and have fun because for sure they do. Um, but that's their whole career and their life path. And I think that there's a lot of people who would want to go and venture to the cosmos um, just because it's there. That's because that's that's an extension of who we are. So um, I definitely see that being in the future. And, and there is some data to back that up. And that's be, I'm going to relate it to airplane traveling. Although I will say that the major difference is that traveling the world from one country to another has a little bit more of a, a necessity, I'd say, than probably going to space, at least for the, our first few steps, where, you know, this allowed us to go to other countries uh, and establish relationships and start to have trade and start to have um, learning about other cultures. And this is what's allowed humanity to become so, uh, so much of a melting pot of diversity. And so I think that, um, for sure, airplanes, you know, became much more of a requirement for for human life. I would say, um, not maybe not a requirement, but I would say a little bit more of a necessity than maybe space flight. Um, however, uh, I do think that you know, as, as space flight started, or sorry, as um, airplanes first started out, like tickets were only for the very wealthy. And um, you know, now it's it's come down so much because there's so many airlines. And now I think that there's, there's more people that are able to afford that. So I'm hoping the same thing will be like that for space exploration, um, which would be really cool. I think that what will come with that will be 
when there starts to be like habitats being set up on the moon. Um, I mean, we can get into lunar habitats and Martian habitats in another episode, but that I think is also so fascinating to explore because um, I think so much of what was considered science fiction for so long um, is really being looked at from a practical point of view. And I think that's so cool. Uh, so the other day I was watching Contact. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> we all love Contact. I'm sure we, we all know about the book and also the movie, but if you haven't, read or seen it, I highly recommend it. A book written by Carl Sagan and the the movie is just so, so well done. Very long movie. I think it's a total of about three, three hours. Um, but it made me think about how, um, you know, so Jodie Foster's character, she basically, her, all of her, any of her research was SETI. At first I remember watching it and I'm like, well, if she's doing research for SETI, why is SETI not funding it? Why does she have to go get grant money? And it's because that's how SETI started. SETI is Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. And the SETI Institute was started by Dr. Frank Drake, who you might know of from the Drake Equation, which is um, an equation. It's a thought experiment to try to calculate what the possibility is that there's um, intelligent life within uh, the Milky Way galaxy. So just within our galaxy alone. And uh, so this this movie covers her listening to um, just feedback coming through, like just static, actually, just static um, on on the radio dishes at the VLA, the Very Large Array, which is in New Mexico. So if you go down to New Mexico for Spaceport America, also make a stopover at the VLA. It'd be really cool. Basically, it's going to just be like a huge amount of uh, radio dishes. And this is to collect radio signals from space for radio astronomy. And so she's a radio astronomer trying to pick up on signals from space. And um, it's so funny because like multiple times in the story, um, either she comes in contact with a politician or with someone who's giving her grant money. And they all say like, this is preposterous. Like, there's no alien life out there. Like, why are you even like, this is a waste of money. Um, but think about it and the, how much that narrative has changed, uh, at least since like, since I've been a kid, I mean, when I, when I was a kid, I remember it was the same thing too, where it was like, oh, that's not possible. Like there's no such thing as alien life. And by the time I think I started actually taking an astronomy class, which was when I was 16 and junior year of high school, it already started to arise of, of, of the possibility of at least finding like, uh, microbial life or small bacterial life, like something a little bit more minuscule, maybe not intelligent life, maybe not like, you know, big bobblehead gray aliens, but possibly something a little bit different. Um, and, and now jump to this year, 2021, now there's even considerations around what does it even mean for there to be a, a, a conscious life form? Like, does it necessarily need to be biological? No. Of course not. And that's actually what I love so much about Star Trek is, is the philosophy of it and the questions that are posed throughout the, the series. Um, they, they face these types of questions and these problems of, well, we can't like, you know, totally destroy, say, like these, these uh, self-replicating nanobots on um, the, the, the Starship Enterprise because they're destroying our engine but we, we can't destroy them because they just communicated with us. And, it, and technically that's a, that's a life form, even if it's, you know, 
it's, it's metallic material. It's, it's robots, it's nanobots. Uh, and so there's like this, this moment where they have to ponder and think like, huh, well, we, we can't like completely destroy this life form. And the thing is on top of that communication would be completely different between species. And so all of these considerations I think are what is really starting to shape, um, just our area of space exploration. It's what really shaped, I think, too, the, the minds of, of the entrepreneurs who started these space agencies. I mean, you listen to any interview by Elon Musk and, and he mentions all of his inspiration of science fiction novels and TV shows and um, Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, this, this truly, this is why science fiction uh, writers, so Lauren, for instance, are so important um, and this is why these stories, I think, um, have to continue because it's almost as if, if we realize that if our brains and humanity can imagine a future, we can make that happen. All we have to do is think of it. We think of it and then we find the ways to make it a reality. Um, and I think that that's really cool. I remember the first time that, that the iPad came out, I was like, oh my goodness, the iPad is like, you see this on Star Trek before an iPad even existed, just a touchscreen monitor. Um, and it wasn't even thought of yet, you know, as, as, as a consideration, uh, at least by, at least by civilians uh, like me, probably, probably not, you know, Steve Jobs, he was thinking of it like when he was five. Um, but the point is, uh, I, yeah, I, th- I think that all of these evolutions that are happening throughout humanity just really... Yeah, it's really starting to shape our our society. Um, so I'm going to end on one final note, which is um, the High Seas program or the High Seas mission. Um, and there are a few other companies as well that are, are doing similar habitat experiences. So High Seas, H-I-C-E-A-S, S-E-A-S um, is a really great mock uh, Mars mission, I believe, or is it lunar mission? I, I think it's a mock Mars mission. And you um, go into training before, well, first you, you applied to, to choose to go. Um, you, you apply to go. If you get chosen, you undergo training for it. Um, and I think like, like physical exercise, doing certain things here on earth. And then by the time you reach this, this mock habitat, as if you're on Mars, the whole time you have to treat it as if you're really living on this planet. You're in a spacesuit. You have your oxygen tank. Um, the only time you can take off your helmet or your suit is when you're inside the Mars habitat. But when you're outside, you have to you have to treat it like as if you're really on this planet. And so not only is this a really great test of, um, I'd say, just just physically being able to be comfortable inside of a, a spacesuit or even being comfortable inside of a pretty closed and I'd say quarantined uh, habitat, uh, when we're so used to being open and and, and widespreading, um, but with this, it, um, it you, you have to get used to that also psychologically. I do see we have a caller, and I really want to have you on. So, Faust, I just added you in. If you'd like to say hello, oh no, Faust just disappeared. Okay, we will have him come back maybe a little bit later. Um, but anyway, to, to to sum up the the, the talk about uh, space exploration, getting to space, and the ways that you can eventually go to space, um, try one of these these programs first. Try one of these Mars habitats or lunar habitats, um, and live in quarantine with other spacemates, and maybe bring research or a project uh, that you'd want to pitch them because I think that's part of the acceptance process. Is you'd have to be able to have something that you want to work on while you're there. 
and and pitch that to them and go and experience this. Um, another really important step I'd say to to, to, to take here on earth before going to space is experiencing a zero G flight. So go zero G is a company um, that you go up in an airplane and it essentially does a U shape and you experience as it's going up, you start to experience weightlessness right as it starts to curve and go downward. So the airplane just try to imagine it going up and then it reaches the peak of your U shaped curve and then it comes down or upside down U-shape, excuse me. Uh, and it's it's so, I haven't I haven't experienced it, but I have so many friends that have experienced that and I've seen it and I'm definitely planning to, to do that soon. Um, it, it, I highly recommend ex- doing that um, as well before going on an actual space mission. Um, but for sure, try to experience that. Maybe look at different programs too. So again, I know that we mentioned like that $250,000 price for Virgin Galactic, you know, in, in the millions of dollars for Blue Origin, um, SpaceX, they have different sponsorship uh, collaborations that they're having, I think, come up quite frequently. It's just a matter of really looking for it. So like inspiration for, keep something like that in mind. Something else is probably going to be coming up like that. Um, and then also same thing with um, with the GoZero-G flight. Check out universities that uh, might be ho- like, you know, covering that program if you pursue planetary science. I have a friend of mine, actually, I should bring him on, Dr. Kirby Runyon. And um, he is such an incredible planetary geologist. He he's, was, has been working on data from Titan for a long time. He's been working on data from uh, the, the sand dunes on Mars. And this is all really important for eventually venturing over to these planets or these moons. And um, he got to do a few zero G flights. Actually, I think now he's a zero G instructor, which is really cool. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll ask to have him on um, in a future episode. Um, but the moral of the story here is um, there are so many other options to try and get yourself to space one day, whether you want to go the standard route of um, going to school, getting a STEM degree, uh, possibly working with the Air Force, getting your pilot's license to be a pilot or to be one of the, um, the, the researchers or scientists on the mission, and then applying to a, a government-run agency like NASA um, for the Artemis program um, or European Space Agency, or thinking about going more the tourist route, setting up your, your own savings account right now, or also, again, looking for possible sponsorship opportunities, possible future missions um, where you might be able to send in an application, an essay, uh, a video, saying why you want to go to space. Um, because again, they're, they're, I think they're coming up everywhere. And, um, you know, I know Blue Origin's not stopping. Virgin Galactic's not stopping. SpaceX is certainly not stopping. They're continuing with their missions. So I hope that one of one day, one of you guys get to go to space. Um, I hope I get to go to space and can tell the story. Um, and um, yeah, so so that's that's about everything I want to chat about, um, chat with you guys for, for this episode of Getting to Space. Um, probably in a couple of days, um, I want to start releasing already the information for next week. So week two of December space events. So different planetary alignments you can catch, conjunctions, uh, constellations that are rising. We've got a few deep sky objects coming up soon that are visible. So any astrophotographers out there, um, I'm going to get into that. Um, I typically send out my newsletter, um, on Saturdays. So if you actually want to get a newsletter, you can sign up for uh, my newsletter list. Uh, actually, wait, 
no, I took, I, I'm editing my website right now. So if you want to do that, uh, you can, you can just reach out to me. So either leave a comment on here, or you can send me a message on here on Colin or any of the other um, social media apps out there. My name is Astro Athens on all of them. My real name is Athena. Hello. Uh, and yeah, so that's about it. So keep a lookout. I'm going to go live on here again, probably sometime over the weekend, just to give you enough heads up so that you can go out and plan your stargazing trip this week um, to catch some of those events. Alrighty. Well, thank you all so much for being here. Um, I hope you get to check out some, some stars tonight, go out to your backyard, look up at the night sky. And until next time, add Astra. Take care.